Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we like to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is someone I consider a friend. As you know, I don't always know my guests before our conversation, but I have had the pleasure of at least meeting virtually Belinda Liu. So Belinda, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Susan. It's such a pleasure to be here um, and I'm really excited to chat. Awesome. This will be fun. So um, Belinda, you are such a remarkable woman and I say that genuinely knowing your story, I think you're courageous uh, and you're a girl mom, so you're definitely courageous. <laughs> For sure. I love that you lead by great example. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I did a master's of law at the University of Chicago and I'm an attorney. I've practiced 18 years uh, in technology, big data governance and management and artificial intelligence. And, you know, recently, well, the past six years, actually, I've been practicing in healthcare and IT and very grateful for that because it's the, the intersection of these two areas of the lore that is where the future is headed. And I'm very invigorated to be able to deliver healthcare to patients and members and provide them with access through technology. That's awesome. So tell us, how is it that you're involved in healthcare? Where do you work? What, you know, what's your role? I work at Kaiser Permanente and I've been there for six years. I'm a senior attorney there. And I also uh, lead the initiative on data management and governance for the legal department. And it's, it's exciting because it changes all the time. You're at the cutting edge of technology. And Kaiser Permanente is actually very true to its mission. It has a very, it's very mission driven and care driven to really want to provide access that is affordable to members and patients. And I've really seen the organization shine during this time as it continues to strive to provide care to its patients and to allow them to be safe and um, be able to reach them in, in their different communities. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to be here. Well, first of all, you sound very proud to be a member of that family. And second of all, I too have great respect for Kaiser Permanente. Not only um, was my family friends with your uh, spokesperson, she's no longer with us, but uh, Pokey Roberts used to be a spokesperson for Kaiser Permanente and we were friends with her family. So. Being from the South, I had never heard of them, but then moving to California, they're everywhere. And I know a lot of people who work there and absolutely love working there. And I'll just say one quick story and then we'll pivot back to you for the remainder of our conversation. But this one quick story is that a week ago, the Kaiser Permanente here in my city of South San Francisco invited us to um, the, the police and the fire and the city officials to welcome the healthcare workers, the frontline workers, and their shift change at 6 a.m. 
and the company Seize Candies donated 2,000 boxes of candy for the doctors and nurses who are risking their lives and taking time away from their families to save others. So a huge shout out to Kaiser Permanente for being one, a great place for our community, but two, it sounds like a really great place to work as well. No, absolutely. It's actually, well, I, I actually support um, IT and I think for a number of years now, they've actually been, you know, the number one place to work for IT, but also really having an eye on the future and continuing to innovate, you know, through different technologies like, you know, thermal monitoring and artificial intelligence and data analytics to continue to be able to reach patients where they are, which right now is at home, and doing it in a way that's you know, affordable and accessible to them and, and trying to be equitable in our community, you know, not only through technology, but also a lot of the other initiatives like building you know, affordable housing for the homeless in Oakland, which is, which is a very big problem in Oakland. Yes. and donating a lot to food banks. So it's very active in the community um, because of its belief that the health disparities you know, are based a lot on needing to make sure we make a difference you know, in the upstream areas of you know, social determinants of health. So helping with housing, helping with food insecurities, you know, helping with safety in the community, um, it's, it's one of those organizations that believes in total health, including I health. I agree. I agree. So I've seen that it play out in action in real life. Um, I would say that I'm very surprised, delighted by the fact that they, um, they're almost a technology company that is also a hospital. <laughs> so they're very high tech, very state of the art, very, um, you know, like you said, they, they cover a lot of the disparities by using, I think telehealth is, you know, pretty magnificent. Not only the technology that's available to those who, for whatever reason, become patients, but like you said, their outreach to the community. I mean, that is a really great community partner. Um, so we're, we're not here to sell Kaiser Permanente folks, but we love Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> I want to address this right up front. You have the most amazing accent ever. Can you explain to us where that's coming from? That is so funny. Um, well, the most common propositions I get are English, uh, um, Australia, and South Africa. I can see that. I can see that. So the winner is? Australia. <laughs> a place I've always wanted to go, but have yet to go. Um, it's amazing. I love this accent. It's unique. It's, uh, I have some friends from South Africa. You're right. I can uh, see how people would get confused or think that perhaps that's where you're from. Tell us how the Australian um, accent comes into play. Like, were you born there, raised there? What happened? How's that, how's that part of your vernacular? Sure. Uh, we actually immigrated to Australia uh, post the, the Vietnam War. Uh, my mother actually brought me to Australia as a toddler, as a two-year-old um, on 
ships while you know we were escaping you know the fall of saigon and so she had to smuggle essentially a two-year-old on these ships uh, out to malaysia at the time and then over to australia and it was a very perilous journey because there were pirates that if there was any sound coming from the ships they would raid the ships you know the ships would often and the boats would often be overloaded so there will be times when the boat may capsize and you know she isn't one to um she can't swim and so there was a time when she had to actually throw me off the ship in the hopes that someone would get me in the middle of the night she couldn't see at all and then she had to jump off the ship and wow. and the only way that she survived actually miraculously she had on this jade bracelet and she had her arm up and the jade reflected off the moonlight and someone saw that and pulled her out of the water uh, but she you know it, it really is kind of a testament to human strength and, and resilience that she survived not only did she survive she smuggled out a two-year-old who you know would have been noisy and made a lot of noise um, uh, you know, in this kind of cross-continental journey uh, by herself. So it's quite a, it was quite an amazing uh, journey. So I want you to write a book. This story <laughs> me cry. You're remarkable. This is incredible. Um, I, I, I would help you make that happen if you ever decide to write a book. So is your mother still alive? She is, she is, and I, I draw a lot of strength from her, and I and I would welcome the book invite. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> I was thinking about that for a while. I was like, you know, would I ever be able to write a book about this? But yes, no, that that I think that would be. I think that would be interesting. Um, Absolutely, and tell your story. It is remarkable. Um, you know, people meet you and, and ask you what you do and, and notice your family. Um, but rarely do you get the chance to tell the story of how you got to where you are. And yours is so incredible, unbelievable. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that someday, you know, soon you take this seriously, this writing the book. Because I think, um, you know, first of all, COVID-19 changed everything. We're home more than we uh, have ever been. And I think that telling your story creates an opportunity for others to uh, empathize and change their perspective on the world. I think it's incredible. No, I think, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I mean, one of my passions actually is to speak up for underrepresented communities. Um, in fact, like tomorrow I'm on a panel to talk about the impact of, you know, COVID, 19 and kind of the the biases and the stigma that comes out during this time and the impact on the asian american and pacific islander community and and it's it's something that i feel strongly about along with you know issues about you know gender bias and other unconscious bias issues but you know for folks that practice in this area of you know equity, inclusion, and diversity, the always the challenge is how do you get that message across in a way that folks can relate and understand and it's interesting to them. And I've, you know, I've I've seen you know, great women 
talk about their stories. And I think it's when you can relate on that human struggle level that you know, folks can really, really understand that we're more common than we are different, right? And our experiences are more the same than they are different. Yes. And I have a friend, um, first of all, bravo to all of that. But I have a friend who says, I think it's in her signature line, actually, on her email. It says, I'm not different from you. I am different like you. Oh, that's cool. I really like that. Yeah, I love we're all different. And we need to embrace and not not that you know, for a while, the catchphrase was tolerate diversity. And I always thought that was sick. That's just horrible. You don't tolerate it. You embrace it. Um, so you honor the differences that we all bring to the table and you give voice and you give voice through curiosity about the other. So I love that you are serving the greater community by being on these panels and speaking about uh, bias and, and let's just be straight up about racism. That's what this is. This uh, the way people are mistreating um, Asian Americans and this whole COVID thing. How it's really revealed some an ugly underbelly. Frankly, you know, just when you thought this country couldn't get more polarized, <laughs> there's you know there's some new drama and leave it to those who are living in fear to create um, an unsafe, insecure, unkind community. And that has to change. So thank you for the courage for speaking up about that change. Let me ask you this question. What in your journey has been your proudest professional accomplishment? You know, I actually hope that it's yet to come. I feel like there are many more oh, mountains to climb. And after you climb a mountain, I'm sure there's another mountain to climb. Um, wow, but, you know, that's a I've, great answer. But I, you know, I've I've heard the stages of of life as uh, learning, earning, and serving. And the person who described it to me described it sequentially. But I think I think it actually runs in parallel, at least for me. So so I love I love being a lifelong learner. You know, I think self-help books uh, and classes are, are my favorite genre um, and biographies. And I feel like I'm also at the, the later part of that sequence of, of serving. Um, I've, you know, I'm definitely very passionate about AID issues. You know, one, I know Susan, you and I connected on the fact that I think it's really important to, to lift women and lift each other in yeah. solidarity and, and allyship. And I, I believe in that. Um, and I continue to advocate for folks and, you know, and especially women of, of um, all colors of the rainbow. And so I do hope that, you know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. We're all works in progress. And I'm committed to staying on the bike of learning. Sometimes I fall off, but you know, I, I keep trying and, and I hope that the best is yet to come. I believe it is. And I love your answer that it hasn't happened yet. So you continue, there's no finishing, right? There's always a continuum of improvement, universal learning, meeting new people, spiritually growing. I think everything we do in life, um, 
you either win or learn, never lose. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, there's often an opportunity for me to say that. Win or learn, never lose. So I love that story. I've written down while you were speaking, I was writing down learning, earning, and serving. And I strive to do all that now. I love that, that you're not waiting until the next phase. It's now, now, do all of that now. So let me ask you this. We did talk about lifting women and how important it is to do that. Uh, and there is so there is so much data out there. There's so many studies about how that hasn't happened, doesn't happen, needs to happen. Um, and so, so how, how do we make it happen? Give me some tips on how we can support other women in business. Generally, I find, especially for women of color, and, and interestingly now, actually, um, it was, it was, it was bef before it was the state like this, but, but even now more so, I think, with the Me Too movement. The interesting thing is that um, a lot of people of color, but also women of color or women in general, uh, speak about the fact that they, it's hard for them to find mentors or sponsors because the fact that they may or may not look like, you know, the majority or the folks in power at the time. And so they're not always, uh, taken out to see clients or, you know, out for drinks and things like that where it's important to be part of that conversation, they're not taken out because they don't necessarily look like that person um, and that person may not feel as comfortable with them or may feel like they don't have anything um, that they can relate to them. Or, and especially I think that's amplified a little bit more now with the Me Too movement where people are even more conscious of their actions. And I feel that, and so what, what I do personally uh, every year here at Kaiser Permanente, you know, we have law students that come through and I actually intentionally reach out to our uh, female law students and, and also women of color and kind of give them my time for them to pick their, my brain about, you know, any career advice or any way I can help them because they may not be reaching out proactively or they may not know what they don't know necessarily because a lot of this stuff isn't written down. There's no real handbook for it. Yeah. And so I try to proactively reach out to them, you know, give them, oh, I did a training on gender bias actually. And I brought along Thiel's and gave her an opportunity to speak up and, and really because you know with each of these individuals that come through and show them that every opportunity they have to speak participate in any effort to create equality and inclusion in the workplace you know it makes it better for themselves and, and also frankly for the next generation of folks coming through i mean i do it actually personally for my daughter because I want to create a place that's more inclusive for her. Um, and I think it's also important for her to see that it's important to speak up. I was so, going to say that not only do you do good things, but you lead by good example to your daughter and other younger people um, paving that way. I mean, I, I honestly did not have a mentor, my father. I mean, of course, you love your father, you look at his success, you say, I want to replicate that, but he didn't sponsor me. He wasn't a mentor 
uh, you know, in the formal sense of the word, but you are active in mentorship and you are leading and living by example to your daughter. So what a remarkable woman. Once again, we see that you're an incredible person. Um, thank you so much for doing that. Is there something that maybe people who know you, maybe they don't know about you, something surprising, even your circle may not know? Well, I think my accent's a dead giveaway. Um, <laughs> yes. So, you know, just as a quick aside, but my husband, my husband used to tell, my husband's Asian American, he used to tell his friends when we first got married, he used to tell his friends, I'm married to this Australian. And they're like, ooh, like, so they have this image of, you know, Elle McPherson in their mind. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like, tall, blonde, blue eyed. And I show up and they're like, oh, well, you look like any Asian American. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint, but I'm sure we could be good friends. Um, you, say, you say, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's hilarious. We all know Elle McPherson, right, folks? Um, I hope we're not dating ourselves, but <laughs> if we are, look her up. You are so funny, too. I find you delightful. When we enjoyed our long conversation not too long ago, you had me laughing to the point where tears were coming out of my eyes. So that is, that is unique and rare as well. Um, you know, people, to be funny takes courage once again, because humor is so relative, but you certainly had me laughing. Well, there's something new I've been doing on my show lately, and it's called the wild card question. So I have this magic box of meaningful questions and I pull randomly from the box, are you game? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. How Absolutely. amazing. I just pulled a question from my magic box of meaningful questions. And the question is, and I think this is crazy because of the nature of what you do. The question is, is there a technology that has been detrimental to society? That's very interesting. Um, I'm not sure if the technology is, is in and of itself is necessarily detrimental, but I do think that, so if you look at things like AI, right, we're, we're right at the cutting edge of it and it's fed with a lot of data. I mean, AI can, has so much potential to predict future diseases, it can look at correlations amongst a lot of data and be able to predict whether you're going to get hospitalized, you know, six months from now, nine months from now, based on your medical history. And so it allows you to intervene early. It also allows, you know, direct real-time monitoring of patients. And so that absolutely has a lot of good um, However, there's, there still needs to be governance and controls, including quality controls in place to really look and drill down at how the AI was created. So governance around AI ethics is very important. So for example, you'd look at the data that it's built on and think about, is this data representative of a diverse and inclusive community that this AI is built off? Um, so, for example, some of the um, early AI models were built off 
a lot of historical data um, yeah. that was based on on you know drivers who were mostly men and so they were finding an you know an ai tool that was supposed to help make determinations around whether insurance will for people would get approved they were finding that they were rejecting women or people of color at a much higher rate than say men but that was because it was based on historical data that wasn't representative of the current community and so right and so now or, or even some of the AI that scans facial images, it's actually less able to scan, say, people of color accurately. Because again, you got to look at the type of data that is being fed to make sure it's diverse enough and inclusive enough. And then you got to look at the, you got to vet the actual result itself and see whether it makes sense. So as of right now, it's still a support tool because there still needs to be a lot of human judgment involved, involved. but um, there is a lot of potential there for it to do a lot of good with the right kind of controls in place. Right. This is so, so, okay, you for the win on Miss Smarty Pants right here because that is the best answer. Like, so for the fact that you did not know that question was coming, for the fact that this box has 120 questions, or 144, excuse me, and I pulled that question and you were able to answer it intelligently and in a compelling way, bravo again to you, uh, you for the win. I will say there's an old phrase, uh, garbage in, garbage out, and I think that that's what we need to be careful of with all technology, uh, with many things. And I agree with you that technology in and of itself is not dangerous or bad. It's what we as humans decide to do with it and how it's created. Absolutely. And, and Susan, may I say that I so admire you for you know, lifting up women and really living your values every day. Um, you know, for folks who don't know, I mean, Susan does this for a giving. It's actually the first time I've heard that phrase, and I think it's so wonderful that you spend so much of your time and very authentically lift up women, and and you live it. And especially during this time, you know, during COVID, right? As as we're looking at different business models, I mean, you're you're still finding time to really live your passion, and I so admire that. So Aww. thank you doing that Susan. Thank you for saying that. That means so much. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I will say I think thank you is the greatest prayer. So when you said thank you to me, that was so meaningful. I love what I do. I have found that place where your passion meets your skill and you find your purpose. So it's like a Venn diagram. You know, I'm living right there in the middle of that Venn diagram and that purpose. So Thank you for helping me to fulfill my purpose and for being here on this show today. Before we sign off, I'm imagining there are lots of listeners who may want to reach out to you. How would they do that if they wanted to, to reach out to you? Sure. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can just look under Belinda Lou. And awesome. I'm thinking there's not a lot of Belinda Lou's out there, hopefully. So. <laughs> Feel free to reach out. That's so great. And folks, it's Belinda Lou with two U's, L-U-U. -U. Belinda, thank you for being here today. You are one remarkable woman. Thank you, Susan. And you're absolutely a remarkable woman. So it's a real privilege to be here. Thank you for taking the time.
You bet. Have a good day, everyone. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.